Hey everybody, it's me. Please hit that subscribe button, the like button, that notification bell, or whatever you can do on whatever podcast platform that you are on. Interact with us. Leave comments. Share it with your friends. Share it with your enemies that you might want to be friends with again. They might hate you more. It doesn't matter. Do it anyway. We would appreciate that. And we do appreciate you. Thank you. Now on to the show. everybody we have an exciting recap show to bring you today and of course we had to bring on the two two of our guests who you guys have seen before on our show and we just think they're incredible guests who are trying to reach an audience that we are also trying to reach so we'll start off we have Lafitte Pinkai you've seen him on NBC if you haven't seen him you just turn your tv on but you saw him this weekend at the Breeders' Cup presenting with Nick Luck and Brittany Yurton for NBC. And also we have Joe Mishak, who is the racing operations lord. What do we call him? Lord, Hi- I don't know. Yeah. Lord is good. Well, lord, lord is good. Like uh, my racehorse. Yeah, yes. my racehorse, which if you guys were, were living under a rock this weekend, my racehorse owns Authentic and Authentic won the classic. Now, Authentic had, had quite the career. So a big shout out to um, Joe and my racers. I know you guys had an exceptional year. Probably the one and only people that can say 2020 was above and beyond for you guys from being the Derby winner to the Classic winner to the Owner View 2020 New Owner of the Year Award. So huge congratulations to you guys there. Yes, absolutely. Um, great company, obviously. And we'll get into that a little bit. And also, I just want to ask Lafitte. Can I call you LP3? Everybody else does it this way. Do they do that? See, I, I see. I thought I came up with that, but I knew I didn't. I want to call you LP3. Okay. I think my family at this point has me like in the family thread and like for text messages is just three. They've, I, I don't know where this came from, but yeah. So yeah, you, feel you don't like even get the initial, you just get the number. Yes, LP3 and apparently Lord Meshack. Lord Meshack. Sounds like a good name, right? Yeah, I, I think we- Don't, uh, don't tell Joe Moran. Lord Meshack. <laughs> and uh, yeah, LP3. Yeah. We got them here. Um, and absolutely. And, and, and Sarah, you're right. So we're going to run through it because I want to hear what these guys have to think about it. And I also want to know, I think everybody out there wants to know their experience, both of them being there, mm-hmm. one being an owner sitting on, I'm sure, pins and needles and also um, LP3 uh, <laughs> sitting there, uh, you know, having to smile pretty all the time and do whatever. And I kind of want to ask him questions about if he gets to bet and everything like that. And also, is this a nervous time for him with his, you know, with everything going on and everything. So uh, let's get on to it. So Sarah, bring us down to uh, quickly recap the races and um, we'll go from there and say if there's anything you guys were around for. And I'm curious to see what you guys think about these horses. And then we'll talk about the classic. Yes, yes, we'll recap the classic. But let's just start off. This was the 37th Annual Breeders' Cup with the Future Stars Friday. We'll start off with the Turf Sprint, number 14, Golden Pal, Juvenile Turf, number 7, Fire at Will, Juvenile, the Juvenile, Essential Quality took the win there, Juvenile Phillies and Turf, Aunt Pearl, Juvenile Phillies, Vquist, and then we'll move on to the Saturday races with quite the card. And I know AJ is going to be more than excited to talk about this race, but we... Just going to quickly brief through it. Philly and Mare Sprint, number two, Gamine. Turf Sprint, number six, Glass Slippers. 
The Big Ass Fans, Dirt Mile. Number five, Nick's Go, Maker's Mark, Philly, and Mere Turf. Number 11, Ayudara. The Sprint, number seven, Whitmore. The FanDuel Breeders Cup Mile, which is number 15, Order of Australia. And that was a big surprise to everybody whose odds were 73 to one. And I don't think I knew he was running. What? Like, I didn't know who he was. <laughs> I <don't> Nobody, <laughs> nobody did really. So <laughs> no one did. That's why he was 73 to one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't. So in some of these races, so I'm, I'm splitting the shifts in terms of the races I'm on the desk for. And typically the first race that I'm off the desk, I don't, I'm not involved in the next race. Uh, the mile happened to be that race. So I probably didn't pay as much attention to that race. And I know there was a scratch and an also eligible and they over 200 horses at the Breeders' Cup, right? This right. one, who the hell is this? Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly how we were when he crossed the finish line. So wait, like, wait is, is the feet giving us an excuse that he would have hit the race if he had time to handicap it, the 73 to one shot? Yes, because you know. You know. Like Monday morning quarterback, some of them, but <laughs> most of know who's running yeah. to really do so and make a case for a course you didn't like. No, not not in this case. Right, right, exactly. exactly. Um, the Longing Distaff, number 10, Monomoy Girl, and of course, the final race. The Longines Classic, number nine, authentic. Um, on our show, guys, we did have um, Big Gary ripped off Whitmore. Loved Whitmore. Yep. Gave him out on our show. Uh, Big Gary, my father, now I got to hear about it. Loved Whitmore and went with that. That was a, that was a big one. We had a couple of them. We really loved, um, uh, who was that on there? The, uh, the two horse, the two horse, where, where was that I have one? I no idea. What, I, I think you skipped it, uh, because. The main one from post was number two. She was two. Tawani, Tawana, oh. what was in it? No. She uh, was, from, she was from three, Tar Tarawana, Tarawana? Tarawana? Yeah, yeah. Taranawa, we all Tarawana. hit that one pretty well. Yeah. Um, and also with Vance, he picked it as well. Uh, and other than that, we kind of got our teeth kicked in. Let's just mm. face it. Besides authentic, AJ, all day. Loved Authentic. I'm going to bring in the tape of me picking Authentic, by the way, about six months ago in my Derby picks. Oh, way boy. before everything, I did pick Authentic. I have not lived that down. This no, whole I did. So. Um, I did Ghost Tom's Day at Ta. I know, Joe. Sorry. I did on top with Authentic. I did. I, I said them both. <laughs> I did AJ all over Authentic. I got the hat on to prove it. Lafitte, you went tis the law in the classic. Um, AJ, do you have anything to say about that? Oh boy. Well, I, I even had to text Lafitte right after I seen it, <laughs> and I got no response <laughs> until a couple of days later if when he won better, you would have gotten a response like 30 seconds after the cross. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, just, I just couldn't. Uh, he really let me down there. No, I, I'm I was, first off, he I think that. Authentic was the best horse in the race. And Joe, congrat congratulations. That is just awesome. And I think part of the, you know, the post-mortem of the Breeders' Cup is watching, you know, the, the, my racehorse and all the, the video on social media, people watching at home, you know, they're watching a horse that they own, you know, win a $6 million race. That has been so cool. And the way, the way that's going to connect to more people and more people wanting to get involved, I think that in itself, the result is really good for the sport from that standpoint. Um, 
he was the best horse in the race. Could Tisla Law have been ridden a little bit differently from the start, a little bit more aggressive? Yeah, I think so. Was he bumped pretty good rounding the far turn? Yeah, he was, but he wasn't the best horse in the race, and I was expecting uh, a, a lot more. And I thought the angle there was just having more time. Every one of his races this year, except for the Derby, he had had an extended period of time in between races. I think it was like eight to 11 weeks or whatever it was. The Derby was four weeks after the Travers. He still ran really well, like, Tis the law didn't do anything wrong in the Derby. Authentic just ran that much better. So I think that's why I went back to Tis the law and was really expecting a, a rebound effort. A couple of excuses, you know, but he wasn't the best horse. Clearly, you're not the only person who was upset with the ride that Tis the law got. Yeah, we did day. hear that. We did hear that. That That's odd because he, I, I felt like, I, I see what you're saying in the feet, but I, and I did feel like, but once again, when I saw him break, I said, here we go with Tis the law again. Somehow he's always sitting in that nest you know, in the box, like third or fourth, and he gets around, and I'm like, oh, my God, he did it again. And, and, and even with horse, and then, it, I mean, obviously, Authentic just blew his doors off, and it's, it's what it is. Um, but uh, before we get into the other races, I guess, because we'll keep going on this, Joe how, Joe, how was that for you? So you're sitting there. I, I want to know how this race was for you, sitting there watching this. Yeah, I mean, I was pretty confident going in, obviously, the horse, anytime you have a derby winner, right? But I thought, you know, the real tipping point for, for me, again, going into the derby was, you know, his last workout when, when Bob really put it to him and he responded with just just pass all the tests that Bob, you know, gave him. And he, he did the same thing going into Classic. You know, I think Bob was kind of a little, I don't know, a little irked after the Preakness a little bit, even though, I mean, how, I mean, so Scott ever ran, you know, phenomenal and your second fastest, you know, Preakness, but you know, you know, Bob doesn't like to lose. So, I mean, he really, he really put it to authentic um, leading into the classic and he was just, just ready to go. And uh, internally we thought he was just the fastest horse out of the gate. And he, if he wanted to lead, he was going to get it, which I, I think after the Preakness, we know, you know, he was going to roll up front and, um, I'll be honest. I mean, obviously it was one of the deepest fields that a classic fields that I can remember in a really long time. So, um, you know, leading into the race, I would say, man, our horse is working great, but I thought the same for four or five other horses. So while I was confident, I was also very um, complimentary towards the other horses because I, I, I thought, you know, they'd all have a good shot. So when, when he opened up on them, you know, coming around the turn in the eighth ball, it was, um, you're not surprising, obviously, you know, he had it in him, but I, I did expect kind of a, a nice, you know, photo finish kind of, you know, kind of race, you know, coming down the lane, you know, mostly with Improbable, who Improbable ran a great race too. Um, so it, it, it was kind of a, you know, really exciting to, to, to know that you had a, had a race, you know, wrapped up, or, you know, around, around the eighth pole a little before and uh, head, head on to the winner's circle. So, okay, so that, that's great. But what were you doing when it happened? I want to know, like, were you jumping around? What where were you? Yeah, shooting? I was jumping around. I went into our boxes <laughs> and, uh, you know, was, you know, hugging and high-fiving and all that good stuff. My wife sent me a, a, a video afterwards saying, you're on TV again. So <laughs> there's no, no denying that. So uh, that's, that's what I was doing. And uh, I actually got shut out of the winner's circle. I was, I was so, uh, so much partying with our shareholders that, uh, you know, by the time we got down to the winner's circle, oh, it was already filled up with, with everybody. So actually, you know, most of our, you know, our group didn't even make it in, but uh, you know, we were, we were pretty, we were pretty darn happy to begin with anyway. So we'll, That's, we'll, nowadays we'll you can just like get a picture and, and, uh, and superimpose it. What's yeah. it called? Yeah. Photoshop, right in there. Photoshop that. Photoshop That's video, okay. right? uh, and, and, and so I'll ask you the same thing. Lafitte, when this is going on, is it, is there an excitement with you 
when the classics going on or is it all business at that point with you coming from whatever i mean do you have when you say you like tis the law i mean are you playing tis the law is there something there like all of america now knows this is your pick so i mean does <laughs> that have like any other no no, no because look, i'm not i'm not a handicapper you know that's why i'm not it's not why i'm I, i'm on the show that's certainly not my role um, and I'm not, you know, we have Eddie Olchek, we have Matt Bernier, and they're in the Breeders' Cup betting challenge, and they like cleaned up, you know, the second half of the Saturday program. Um, but I- I'm not betting only because I find that it's distracting for me. I watch the races very differently. Um, I'm watching my horses if I happen to be wagering or going back a thousand years when I first started. I'd be watching my old man riding, you know, I'm not watching everything as objectively um, as I normally would. So I find it a little bit distracting. And well, you can sense the adrenaline. Certainly, when there's a lot of fans there, it's very different. It's much more quiet, very quiet at Keeneland during the Classic, but your adrenaline's going. This is why we love the, the, love the sport. It's moments like this. It's races like this. Um, but you have to, at the same time, you have to listen to everything being said. Um, for example, if I'm going to talk to a jockey or a trainer after a race, and maybe I'm not the first person to interview that jockey or trainer, I need to be listening to everything that they're being asked and what the responses are so that you don't ask the same questions. Um, you can't get detached from the broadcast itself. Otherwise, you know, your involvement all of a sudden might not feel very cohesive because you're not as familiar with everything that's gone out to the audience already. So it's a, it's a little bit different. Yeah, no, no, it it makes sense. But first of all, you are kind of a handicapper. At the end of the day, you might not be betting, but but Mm -hmm. you you do your research on the horses. Of course. Yeah, so you're kind of handicapping the race. I I think that, um, yeah, but I don't, you make a selection, you're not worried about your, I'm not worried about my reputation as a handicapper, you know. Yeah, okay. That particular race. Yeah, you have an opinion going in and you're more than happy to, to share it, um, I, I, root, I root for the best story, you know? Um, you, you'd like to see your friends do well. I'm not one that, when my father retired, my rooting days for the most part were over. I wasn't instinctually as invested as I would, would have been otherwise, you know, because I live in Southern California, I don't root for a California-based horse just because it's down the street for me, as opposed to a New York-based horse. Like, I don't care. May the best horse win and, and may the best story unfold. Hmm. And you should have picked Authentic. <laughs> I, I should have. I, you know, I, I really should have. I should have. Oh, and I, net, what's amazing is that I'm so stubborn, and I'll say that there's a shortcoming of mine when it comes to evaluating thoroughbreds, is sometimes I'll get too fixated on a certain theme. And I had trouble buying authentic as a mile and a quarter horse, even after the derby, even after he ran as well as he did in the Preakness. It's like, show me you can do it one more time. You know, one more time. <laughs> clearly, clearly he did. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you well, you were you were, listen, you were on board with a lot of people with that. Uh the fee. I mean, obviously, I think the only th- four people were uh myself, AJ, uh obviously Joe and Sarge that were on the show. And the other Joe. But you know, obviously we were all the interest. A little biased there. On, a little, a little biased, but, but no, yeah. listen, we we always stuck yes, by the no. fact that Yeah, what, you guys have been talking when about I, Fennec- um, at the very beginning. Listen, of the when I saw the ADD case of a horse, because that's what I'm going to call him, bounce off the rail in his first race, I went, you know what? I like this guy. And I think I related to him. And then oh, I just so thought much. he was bored like half the time. And, and, and I think we were oddly enough right. right. <laughs> I think it was like he didn't run home in the classic. 
he skipped home. If he looked, he almost looked like he was just prancing. Like it was just like, okay, let's turn it on now. And it was like a dance coming home. It wasn't even like a try. Did you guys yeah, notice was, that? Do you notice at the top of the stretch when Johnny pulled out the left stick and he didn't even, he didn't even hit it. He's like, all that next, like, I, I know what to do now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he was just jumping. I got this, Johnny, I got and, this. And dancing. Sit back and enjoy the ride. Yeah, absolutely. And, and let me ask you. I think it gets lost and there's like a three-year-old facing older and I realize it's later in the year so it might not be as significant, but that's each one of Baffert's Breeders' Cup classics with, with three-year-olds in his four classic wins. And, and you, want, you wonder what that number would be if these horses, you know, would train on and weren't were retired and, and understanding their value in the breeding shed. You know, you'd love to see what authentic would be as a four-year-old, but I completely, I completely understand. You know, if somebody told me my car in the driveway was worth, you know, $20 million, would I drive it to the grocery store? Probably not. Yeah, right. And it, you know, from that standpoint, but you, you, you miss seeing the, the, the Pharaohs, the justifies, the, the, the authentics, these types of horses as they, uh, you, I'd like to see him mature yeah, yeah. yeah. could evolve into yeah we've, we've been seeing kind of both sides of the whole retirement people that you know understanding like you said and happy and then people are like but i just want to see what more like what more like what is his four-year-old career going to look like he no. could just you know the business uh, yeah we just I, went on this right. amazing journey and got here and now all of a sudden it's done yeah um but then it's like you know play it safe you got the derby you got a classic yeah, what do you I, I understand it. Yeah. A thousand percent, I understand it. And if I was the owner, I'd probably make the, the same decision, you know? Yeah, so well, well, let's, exactly. ask, let's ask, what kind of feedback are you getting, Joe, on, on the retirement? Is it, is it, are people understanding or are they, you know, all over the map with it? Because I'm not, I'm kind of pissed about it, to be honest. Well, I think, I think we're all pissed because we want to see him run. We're selfish. Sure. We're selfish. Yeah, no. We've been getting pretty overwhelming positive uh, feedback, and we all feel the same way. I mean, I've actually talked to the team this morning. I, you know, woke up just like I did with the Derby, and I pop on, you know, YouTube, NBC, you know, Breeders' Cup Classic, and Triple listen clowns. to Larry's call, and I'm just like, <laughs> my clowns. gosh, man, I just, I'm like, I want to see this horse run again, and I want to see him run again, and he's just, you know, just like we talked about, getting into his, his, his prime, really, and, um, and then you realize, obviously, that as Lafitte alluded to, the implications, and, and, um, I mean, by into mischief, I mean, strike while the iron's hot, right? I mean, I mean, just when you think the into mischief, you know, thing is going to, you know, die down, it just keeps getting more and more and more. You're like, gosh, what can this stallion do? And then being into mischief's best uh, son and, and get improving that you can get the classic distance and, you know, winning the derby and in, in classic double and, and, you know, winning the classic as a three-year-old. I mean, it's just not done that often. So the, the fact that, you know, your, your, your star isn't going to be as bright as, as, it, as it ever is right now, it's that that's kind of the reality of the situation. And obviously our partners and uh, over at Spendthrift, uh, you know, as majority owners uh, make that call. But obviously, as we all know, they're huge supporters of my resource. And um, I know it was very difficult for them because they, they understand the, the impacts that it has on the industry and, and what they've seen uh, in, in their commitment to my resource over the last few years. And um, it was very, very difficult, but um, one that we're very, you know, cognizant of and, and think it's the right thing for our shareholders and their interest as um, you know, their shareholders in this horse as a stallion, you know, hopefully for a really, really, really long time. Yeah. No, no. From a marketing standpoint for my racehorse yourself, like this is, this is gold. Yeah, I, I don't know what we're going to do to top it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good luck from there. 
I mean, Triple Crown, Dubai, and I don't know. You have a two-year-old win Dubai and then go to the Triple Crown and win next year. I don't know. Well, and then, so I, while we're on the topic of authentic, I do want to ask. So, Lafitte, I don't, I don't think you get to vote on this, but I mean, do you, I, authentic, undisputed horse of the year at this oh, point? God. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I vote. I have to look at everything, but yeah. I That's think. why I asked because I'm pretty sure I knew he voted, but I wanted to make sure. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I do believe they have podcast of the year too. So. The, it's what you have as the uh, the ABR. Uh, Don't they have the, the fan choice awards? Right? Don't they? Yeah. Don't have a, isn't there a podcast? Oh, do you have to have yeah, fans for one. the fan there choice award? I'm just joking. Well, he's obviously horse of the year. And, and but yeah, the, but so so Joe, Joe's got a really let, good let, oh, let, let him let him go. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was about to make a point, and then you kept talking no, over. No, just that if the Breeders' Cup was decide, designed to decide championships, that, you know, going back to 1982 when John Gaines came up with the concept that horse racing needed a year-end Super Bowl type of event, instead of championships being decided on paper, they'd be decided on a neutral playing site, um, then, yeah, it, it's not everything. It's more like a final exam. Um, but when you look at what Authentic did the second part of the season, and, and going back to even the Haskell win and, and some of his earlier triumphs, but the Derby – um, can't take anything away from him in the Preakness. Again, as, as Joe mentioned, the second fastest Preakness or whatever it was, uh, was, was kind of ever. And now a Breeders' Cup Classic against that field, yeah, he's, he's horse of the year. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a no-brainer. Um, I understand that, but when you have somebody who votes on it and you're on your show, let's get him to say it. <laughs> I, 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 okay, good. okay, we got, we got yeah, that. Okay, we just good. have to pull it on. We got that. Um, and, um, and, okay, go ahead. I'm sorry, sorry. Oh, no, I, I, I don't know if you still wanted to talk authentic. I just had a question in general about the classic. No, go ahead. Was there any performance of these horses that shocked you by any means? I mean, I know I feel like all eyes were kind of on the Baffert three. Um, so I'm not sure. Were people that surprised? Maximum security didn't really step up to the plate like people were thinking he would... Yeah, I thought even Maximum Security, his Pacific Classic was okay. And then he was defeated in the awesome again. Um, you know, Baffert kept referencing them as his dream team in, in Authentic and Maximum Security and Improbable. I don't think anything was, was overly surprising. I probably want to go back and watch the race a couple of times and, and again, kind of digest everything. Um, again, for me, it was, it was a, a missed opportunity for perhaps a better performance from Tis the Law maybe more of an aggressive ride, some trouble on that far turn. But aside from that, I think that the racetrack itself, it was lightning fast and three track records were broken on the app, but it was fair. Mm -hmm. It's not like every race was a merry-go-round. You can't say that authentic was just, you know, just speed dominating. I know what Nick's go did was very similar and unconscionable how fast he went early and still hanging on late, but you also saw winners from off the pace. So you can't say that it was a fast track. Yes. You know, speed, favoring necessarily like you had to be in front no that's that's not accurate yeah. um all right so joe, joe who are you uh most feared of i guess going into this race uh improbable for sure i thought what he did as a four-year-old uh was was very impressive looked like he started to figure some things out still a little quirk so you just you know depending on how he broke that that would kind of play and you know he, i think he ran a great race he was you know five wide a lot of the way so that probably cost him some ground um didn't think obviously he'd get by given authentic's performance um but um yeah i, I mean he's, he's he ran a great race and um put a great a great campaign together and um can you do yeah 
No, I mean, I, I just think it's, it's, it's really weird to see authentic. Like, I, I think this, him as a four-year-old, I feel like he'd be that, um, and, and tell me if I'm crazy, uh, uh, Joe or Lafitte, uh, because, well, you can just tell me I'm crazy now. It's fine. But um, with, uh, I, I feel like he's that arrogate type, type of horse uh, because he's a late foal and people don't talk about that. He was at May. We always hear about two and three year olds, and this is for everybody out there. And and, and one day, and we're going to work on that soon, like horse racing one on one, that people don't realize everybody turns two or three on on uh, January first. He was late, a late bloomer, really, and he's young. He's young. I believe mind that bird was the only horse that was actually two years old when they won the Derby. Authentic, if he ran in the Derby at that time would have been two years old by actual date maybe it so in this situation maybe the fact that uh, in a year of a pandemic and you know the kentucky derby was delayed uh, everything being out of order and i think the quote i kept hearing from trainers getting ready for the breeders cup was that we have a fresher horse in the fall because they had some time off um we didn't squeeze as many races like we have a fresher horse for this and I think maybe you could make the case that given a little bit more time to develop because he was a younger foal um that that having extra time allowed authentic to to develop um maybe that hard to say maybe that did make a difference having you know not trying Bob wouldn't have had to had forced anything and rushed him into something that you know he might not have been necessarily ready for yeah yeah no, no. yeah no no doubt. I mean, I think there, there's no question in, in my mind that he didn't, you never know. You're not, not going to know. I didn't think he'd win the Derby in May. He needed the time to develop. I thought Nadal was running fantastic in May. Obviously, Tizalal was, was on his game back then. Not, not that he kind of, he was still on his game in the Derby, as Buffett uh, alluded to uh, earlier. But um, authentic, I, I just think that, I mean, that's why when I was on the show last, I, I think after the Haskell, I was so excited because I was still at the stage that I thought the horse was still rapidly developing and he needed to figure it out upstairs in between his ears. And it wasn't a result of not getting the distance um, and, and shortening stride in the Haskell. And I know a lot of people disagreed with that, which is why he went off at eight to one in the Derby. And I thankfully, you know, went to the windows and cashed. So, um, you know, no doubt that this year definitely helped uh, Authentic, uh, you know, get to the point where he's at uh, today. No, absolutely. And uh, speaking of that, did you hit the pick five, Joe? Did you? You should have. You should have all on the 73 to one shot and hit that pick five. I saw somebody did that now, but I, I kind of, I kind of uh, am with Lafitte when it comes to being there on race day that, you know, especially, you know, we were fortunate enough to have uh, clients there with us a limited amount, um, kind of unlike the Derby where we were kind of really restricted at the time we were able to have a small group with us. So it was a matter of, you know, it's, you know, meeting them, getting to understand their stories, seeing the dreams come true for them. And then, and then just the bundle of nerves, you're not really thinking about betting. And, um, you know, it's one of those situations where actually the only, the only bet that I, that I made uh, and it hit on authentic was the, the uh, juvenile uh, classic double. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm kind of kicking myself that, 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 that in a little bit, bit, little bit more the other day, but, um, no, I, right. I certainly did not have, uh, the 73 to one shot and, uh, I got my butt kicked pretty good. We actually had a guy had on a the show. On our live show on Sarge. Saturday that played that pick five with that seven. Yeah. Seven three to one shot. Hit it. $4,500. It was like an $80. Aiden, right? Was that? 
has to be. It's a it's a grass race. It's uh, we're playing. Even though Aiden was O for his last, photos <laughs> North America had never won a mile, and then he, and yeah. then it goes one two three. Joe, I wanted to ask you: Do you think that everything being relative, um, as a as a big Dodger Laker fan, as happy as I am about the two titles, when you look back, you'll think you know the fans that weren't able to be there and experience it. You know, do you think that there'll come a time that as appreciative as you are, I'm sure, of the wins, owning a Kentucky Derby winner, a Breeders' Cup Classic winner, a three-year-old champion and a horse of the year, that you'll think, God, I, you know, I, I wish we could have had, you know, any other year, any other year where we could have done it, you know, with the fans and experienced it with that kind of energy and, and you know. Oh, I mean, for, for, for sure. I mean, obviously, you're, we're very appreciative of 2020 because just like I alluded to, I didn't think you'd be – that, that horse in, in May, but at the same time, you know, what really hit me was uh, Derby Day when going down to the winner's circle and, you know, getting caught up in all the frenzy that was down there and then going up on the podium to get your picture taken with a trophy and then turning, your, turning around to the grandstand and seeing it all empty is just not what you obviously envision when you win the Kentucky Derby. You, you expect that, you know, crowded stands and, you know, like pandemonium. And um, so that was the first time that it hit me. It's like, wow, this is, this is, you know, not what, it, what we all envisioned and, um, but we roll with it. And I think that our team did such a great job, um, you know, being involved with authentic from a digital perspective and making sure the owners felt like, even though they weren't there in person, that they, that they were part of the story. And um, I think that's, we're very reflected in a lot of support and um, correspondence we received back from them. Maybe that's why Authentic lost his mind. Maybe he's like, <laughs> he's like, I just did that and nobody's here. Yeah. <laughs> I feel that, that like that's true. Like, I wonder, I, I wonder that with sports, when you see like, when they all run on the field and they're like, and they look around like, oh, nobody's here. Oh, it's trust me, I've, I've come through the curtain, t- uh, curtain to wrestle. <laughs> Many times in front of no people. It's not quite the same. Well, they were all there until, until they announced you, and then they actually yeah, well, yeah, the then they left. Yeah, they oh, it happens. No. It happens, no. AJ. Bathroom break. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah, for everybody out there, AJ, uh, AJ was an ex-WWE wrestler. Plenty yeah. of empty venues I've wrestled in front of. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> there was at least a janitor there. You got to count. There was somebody. Um, but no, it, it's true. And, and that, the, to go on to that, I, I do have to ask uh, Joe, and I think Lafitte and everybody will get a kick out of this, I think. So you guys bought Authentic, bought a share of Authentic. Later on, when Authentic was still, like I said, I picked Authentic before you guys even bought him. Um, we knew he was something. He was kind of crazy. What is it like when you get that call that number one authentic is available and number two like how does that happen do you just like let's jump you on pay a lot of money well yes yeah i know but how does it <laughs> happen where, check. like was that like announced is it like a phone call was the phone ringing be like hey by the way uh like is this like it's like side stuff like how does that happen does he go on a market i mean what was that like when you got that phone call well, it, you know, in that case, I alluded to our, our partnership with Spencer Farm. Obviously, they stand into mischief. They were, you know, always looking to support their stallion, and they truly believed that he was going to be the one to get the job done for into mischief. And they were willing to put that big gamble out there. Um, there was a couple of nice articles out there in the Blood Horse about the competition for for stallions these days, and and, and the limited amount of you know farms that, that bid after him. And so it was it was pretty intense, you know, negotiations in in that sense from from my understanding. 
and then to hear that they, you know, they got the job done and, and that they, they wanted my racehorse involved uh, as part of the ownership group was, um, was really exciting, obviously on a horse that um, like you, you and I mentioned before that I thought, you know, it was only going to get better with, with, with age. And, you know, fortunately in this case, you know, we rolled the dice and we were right. And obviously we know that in this industry that you're wrong more than you're right. So, um, yeah. Oh, he froze. We're just going to soak it up when we can. Okay. No, um, no, no, it's absolutely. And, and you know what, and the fact that, you know, wearing your silks in the Derby, that's pretty awesome. I mean, I mean, that was like, like you almost went into like the biggest claiming race, but not a race. And you got the horse. Cause I, I feel like I'd almost be like, what's wrong with the horse? Why are they putting them up for sale? You know, you know, I mean, I think that's a natural reaction, right guys? I mean, seriously, like, like why, why are they doing this? And they obviously were just like, cool with everything yeah. and it seems like they were great partners for you and good for you good for you to jump on that. and it's just good for the sport it is and i, and I do yeah. want to talk about that a little bit and wonder what you think about lafi you said that a little bit and i'm sure um joe can help uh, with this as, uh, already because i said this and i want to bring this up again um before i get into a couple other things before we go is um uh, like I said, and I and I truly believe this. The, the, the feet, listen, you do this, and you do it prime time. Let's just say this: you're the prime time guy, okay? At NBC Sports, you put it out there. You're the cool hip guy. You know, I mean, we'll forgive you that you're a oh, UFC. You love fan. calling him hip. Wow. Yeah, well, I mean, that's a word, isn't it? I don't know. I'm the old guy now. You know, he's a hip guy. It's all right, Grandpa. He's you not a square. Remember no one, no one who is hip calls Wait. people hip. Okay, first of all, Sarah said square before. Remember this? Sarah said square. Okay, so anyway. No, it's, I'm it's not the hip. way you present the sport, Lefie. Oh. I, I think it you bring attention to the sport in a way where, you know, newbies can can appreciate as well as, you know, the everyday horse player who, who's, you know, been around the sport for years. And, you know, and then that's what we always appreciated because – because he's hip. Because he's hip. <laughs> uh, but no, even with our show, it's like we wanted to go after that, that younger generation. And I feel like what you do on NBC is, is exactly, well, you know, what that is. Well, they're definitely. The way you present it is just. Yeah. Is you you want to, look, the, we're not going to approach it from a hardcore handicapping standpoint. It's like taking somebody to the racetrack for a very first time, handing them a racing form and saying, have at it. You know, it's incredibly intimidating if you've never been introduced. So I think that for viewers that are watching, you know, during a Triple, uh, triple Crown coverage, a Derby, Preakness, Belmont, a Breeders' Cup that only tune in a handful of times during the course of the year, you just have to give them a reason to care. Um, maybe the coverage and our, our approach isn't something that somebody who follows horse racing on a day-to-day -day basis wants. You know, TVG was able to take the races live. If that's all you want and you just want odds and you want something that's a little bit more familiar and what you're accustomed to in terms of how you watch the races and the angles like that option is still there for you, which is great. Um, we're going to cater to a little bit of a different audience. And again, it's always about giving somebody a reason to care. Every one of these horses does have a story with a jockey, the trainer, the owner, my race was authentic. That's an amazing story. And that's what's going to lure someone and giving them an interest, even though, you know, they can't spell Breeders' Cup or they don't have a $2 wager on the race. Give them a reason to care about the outcome. Give them a reason to root. Yeah, and I, I think that was great, especially for this year. Uh, you know, obviously this year was super tough, um, 
but I feel like horse racing really had the, the light in a positive manner shined on it, starting off with Santa Anita creating the first sports bubble successfully and being able to, um, you know, lay that out for other sports. And then, you know, obviously you guys on NBC with, with everything. And I've even seen online with people more and more being coming into the sport, like, I know nothing about this. Mm-hmm. But this is, you know, something really interesting. And I agree, it's the stories that are so fascinating. Yeah, and, and that was a great segue too. We'll we'll talk about with Joe with my racehorse, and I'll bring up you and AJ as well at this point, because if you could have saw us six months ago when I asked AJ why Secretariat, and I know I always bring this up, AJ, yeah. and you're smile. Why Secretariat didn't repeat in the Kentucky Derby on like our third show, and he said because he was dead. I thought it was a trick question. That's why he didn't win the next year in the Kentucky Derby. But the evolution of what you guys have come from, and people can go back to it. And so we'll Please bring that in from what, from what Lafitte said to, and, and, he, and, he, and he alluded to it a little bit, of my racehorse with, and let Joe for a second talk about my racehorse, I do believe, introduces these same people into this and, and so what would you say about that for the people out there now that we're going to hear about and say well this and that because i'm going to be somebody who obviously I, I have interest in in my resource but i will um say that i think it brings that person that lafitte talked about that you guys are were to, to it so joe what do you think about like tell people about my resource real quick for those people and how that's affected like bringing in people yeah, from, I mean, from a storytelling perspective, I think it's all about the stories because most of the time the horses that, you know, you purchase or, you know, from any owner's perspective, whether you're my racehorse or owning horses yourself or even the best owners in the industry, that you're going to fail more than, than you hit the home, you know, the home run. That's why, you know, having a big stable, you know, if you can, if you can afford it is, is the way to go. And in this, in this industry also gives you, you know, more opportunities to to be involved at, at you know at the track when outside of COVID and and getting constant you know feedback from your trainers whether you're you know with my racehorse and we're doing it through our through our app or whether you know you're on the phone one on one with you know with your trainer and um and, and learning as much as possible because the biggest thing I think we can all probably agree on is the tough part about you know as Lafitte alluded to you just can't give someone that program and expect them to, to, to know what they're doing with it it's a big education evolution it's something that we were aware of from day one something I was cognizant of many years ago when I went to Arizona the program at Arizona and wanted to focus my career on ownership and, and getting more owners involved it's just not an easy process and um, it, it is we spend a lot of time on on trying to figure out you know the I mean let's let's be frank here and I'm sure many of you followed a lot of the the blowback that you know we we received in the press after the derby due to the kickers we had to pay the owners uh the original owners of authentic prior to spencer farm farm purchasing so to have to having to explain well this is a good thing you know because we wouldn't have got the horse uh to begin with if we didn't you know have these performance-based bonuses in the contract and, and oh by the way you know you're not getting paid today but you're going to get paid tomorrow and tomorrow being that he just you know spencer denounced he's standing for seventy-five thousand. Uh, you know, per, per live fall, which wouldn't have happened if he didn't win those big races and we didn't have to pay those kickers. So it's, um, it's certainly a challenge, uh, but certainly something we realize is what's needed for this industry and something that I think um, has, it requires a lot of energy and a lot of patience. And uh, I'll just be frank, the industry 
has done not such a good job of that in, you know, many, many years. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I think that's why I think, you know, all of us here, well, at least four of us are bringing people into the industry, I hope. Um, I excluded AJ because he's not paying attention uh, over there. AJ, that's all you need to You know. don't get to do that. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't earned that yet. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, mean, I guess I earned it oh, at my all. Goodness I'm going to give it a long hard sign in a minute. We'll let you guys go off on no. USC in a second. Um, um, but yeah, no, I, I, I think that's great. So to recap the Breeders' Cup in general, for you guys, obviously, Lafitte, what, what's next for you now? Like, what, 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 what are you doing now? Are you watching horse racing on the weekend? Are, you, uh, are we going to see you at Santa Anita? What, what's up? Uh, you know, we'll see what the situation looks like uh, as far as the day after Christmas and fans are starting to reappear at racetracks around the country. And hopefully, and I, I know that uh, you know, we still have to get through the, the winter and we're still in the middle of a pandemic and still have to be uh, very careful. Um, so I, I'm, I'm always, after the Breeders' Cup, it's nice to kind of detach for a little bit home for the holidays um, and then calendar turns and we'll see what it looks like. I mean, normally the, the Fox stuff starts in late January, uh, early February, there's Pegasus World Cup. Um, we'll have to see what the schedule looks like and, and with everything kind of in flux, everything still being fluid, but um, yeah, it's, it's nice to long summer at Saratoga, long time to be gone. Um, and just getting back from the, the Breeders' Cup and everything, it's, it's, it's nice to have the holidays off. Nice, all right. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure you're a busy guy, Joe. What's going on with you? No, I couldn't imagine why anybody <laughs> would have any interest in my racehorse right now. <laughs> um, no, we're, 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 we're obviously, we're, we feel like obviously we're just getting going. Um, we understand how humbling and, and an honor it is to just do what we just did. But um, obviously we've seen a, you know, a demand increase that, uh, you know, rolls with that. So we've, uh, you know, obviously been busy acquiring new horses. And, uh, you know, once you get that taste that we had, we want to we wanna get back there as soon as we can uh, and, and go from there. So we'll be, you know, expanding our operations and looking after, you know, what, what horses we can get in next. All right. That's fantastic. Um, AJ, anything for these guys before we well, let yeah, them go? Yeah, I do. I mean, both of you guys were there. What, outside of the classic, what were the other – you know, big performances you guys were most impressed with. Go ahead, Joe. I'm, I'm going to go the easy one to say could it would be Gamine, but I'm going to go a different good, route. Good I'm gonna, answer. I'm going to go, I'm going to go with uh, golden Powell uh, in the juvenile uh, turf sprint, just because uh, I mean, he just was, he just ran them off their feet. Obviously he was getting a little tired at the end, but it was pretty impressive, especially I'd say, you know, what a furlong or, or so in, he kind of seemed like he took back a little bit and um, yeah. it still ran off with him. So I would say that was was a pretty darn impressive race. Absolutely. So. I read, like, I think it was I read. It was I read, not Jose, right? It was an Ortiz. I read, I think. I read. Stood up on him. It looked like he literally like, stood up and yanked him back. <laughs> to throttle his speed a little bit in downshift, but then, you know, Golden Powell threw his head and reacted. And it went from trying to just – ease him a little bit and Wesley Ward was really concerned about after the fact he mentioned it like three times in the post race he was really concerned you have jockey fighting horse horse fighting jockey typically the result isn't a desired one that kind of freaked me out because when it happens I'm a big golden pal fan and Wesley Ward had said before the Skidmore he said by the time it's all said and done this might be the best horse I've ever trained um golden pal was absolutely a highlight something about Gamine's race um if you get a chance go back and watch Last year's Breeders' Cup, Philly Mary Sprint, Kefefe drew the rail with Joelle, and she broke flat-footed 
And instead of like hitting the gas and trying to air them out, as I almost knock out my battery, um, Joelle didn't panic, took her kind of navigated her in between traffic and then traffic and put her in a position where she was the, the hunter as opposed to being the hunted. Very similar what John Velasquez did with Gamine. And if she goes head and head with Serengeti Empress, like she would have been vaporized. It wasn't gonna end well for either of them. Serengeti Empress was committed. And just when Velasquez had that same opportunity, instead of just trying to air him out from the inside, guiding her to the outside in that stocking position, that was a, it was a brilliant, brilliant ride from a Hall of Famer and uh, the start of what ended up being a, a very good day for John Velasquez. Yeah, he did all right. He did all right. He had an okay day. Yeah, yeah he did all right. I, I, I was yeah. really impressed by, you know, I, I hate to give Big Gary the credit on Whitmore, but my God, the seven-year-old blowing the doors off. And, and in a race that... Joe, we hoped our horse would be in, by the way, vertical threat. We did hope that he was going to be there, but he wasn't. But Whitmore, that was a nice ride. Mm-hmm. That, was, that, that, was, that was my, obviously, the 17-1 shot. Obviously, Gamine, incredibly overrated on our show. Highest uh, by speed figures of the day. <laughs> AJ's we love call, yeah, no, we, His wife. AJ's wife. Yes. Um, so, right now, guys, who are you excited to watch? I mean, and, and I'm going with, it better be in your stable, uh, Joe, for you, I'm going with. He's going to give us that answer. But what went to my racehorse stable? Who are you excited about watching? And then, Lafitte, who are you excited about watching? So, we'll start with uh, Joe. Let's start with you. Who are you excited about watching before we let you guys get off here? Because they've been on a while. So, mm-hmm. who, who is? Well, I'm not going to just say it just to appease you. But, you know, vertical threat, obviously. <laughs> You know, we, we stretched we stretched him out in the Pat Day mile and just, you know, he came up a little, you know, on the lead, which we didn't we, we didn't want and didn't expect. That's just the way the you know the race racing luck plays out. And um obviously he kind of, you know, had a little bit of a, you know, minor setback that cost him a a, a race and and the, the two other ends. So um yeah, I'm looking forward to getting him back and uh hopefully it's uh, here in a couple of weeks and uh maybe we can be in that race that you alluded to next year. That yeah. would be that would be nice. Absolutely. As a four-year-old, that'd be good. Um, Lafitte, what about you? Horses exiting the Breeders' Cup? Wherever. wherever. Uh, Well, I mean, just because we just wrapped it up, uh, they call it Future Stars Friday, and the performances that we saw on Friday uh, from Golden Pal, from Aunt Pearl, who's just like this little front-running wrecking ball. Um, Brad Cox, what what a weekend Mm. for Four wins, right? With Monomoy Girl and four. I mean, yeah. Incomprehensible. Um, uh, Aiden O'Brien winning those three races, uh, running one, two, three in the Breeders' Cup Mile, a race he never won before. But with the two-year-olds, Vequist moving forward, she's like, she's, she's exciting. That entire, that entire Breeders' Cup classic field, the smallest field for a reason. It was so top-heavy. Four undefeated, three grade one winners. Uh, the, the, the speed figure guys were right about Princess Noor, like all along pounding the desk. Like she's slow, she's slow, she's slow. You know, do you believe what your eyeballs are telling you or do you buy what the handicappers that follow the speed figures are saying? She's too slow. She finished off the board with no excuse. Um, but Vequis moving forward, day out of the office, uh, simply ravishing. And, and of course, essential uh, quality as far as an early favor for a Kentucky Derby. The, the two-year-olds moving forward because, you know, when, when, it, when a horse – as good as the Kentucky Derby winner and the Breeders' Cup Classic winner now retires, um, authentic as a three-year-old. Uh, we won't see him at four, but the two-year-old's about to turn three. I think that's what's really exciting as, uh, as the calendar does turn. 
All right. No, that's great. And and you have to look forward to that because you'll be there next year talking about these horses. Can't um, wait. Hopefully, hopefully with, with more fans, more fans, safely, safely more fans. Fingers crossed, man. Fingers crossed. Um, all right. Uh, no, that's great. Um, yeah. So I guess uh, before we go, I'll just ask, uh, Joe, are you a USC fan by any chance? Well, you know, I'm an Arizona graduate, so. Oh, boy. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. Okay, uh -oh. we're gonna we'll cut That's this part. We normally have the pre-interview. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to go. I didn't want to go into USC at all. Uh, but yeah, yeah. But 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 before we go, real quick, I know you guys want to shout out to each other. Fourteen points, two minute comeback in the fourth quarter. <laughs> Here it is. So I've, I've got it taped. I've seen a little. I have. I didn't see a down. Oh, I'm ruining for oh, yeah, yeah. I'm following the scrum. Like, wait, they, how did? Can't wait to watch it. And it's, it's going to be about an hour or two and a half hours of agony, and then thirty seconds of or thirty minutes of a lot of excitement. Can't wait. <laughs> Title Town, right? This is Title Town. Lakers, Dodgers. Uh, you're, you're, you had a good 2020, really. Sports yeah. it wasn't bad. Can't. Yeah, yeah, you really did. You really did. All right. All right, All guys. Right. Great. Yes, thank well, you guys so much for coming on our show for the Breeders' Cup I, I will hope wrap up. See you guys at San Diego. I know, I know I'll see Joe, I hope, uh, in the California track soon enough. And Lafitte, you're going to be down there or what? Don't yeah, you? I think so. All right. LP3. LP3. That's, LP3. that's we're cool now. That's what I say. AJ. Uh, anything else, AJ, before we're going to go? Because we're going to go. Fight on, baby. Fight on. I knew it. I knew yeah. I had to come. Fight on. Thank you guys, as always, Joe, congratulations, man. It's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Lafitte. Always a pleasure. And we will talk to both of you guys soon. Yeah. And we'll keep doing what we're doing. And we'll hopefully uh, we'll uh, see you guys in the near future. Sounds good. Right. Thank you so much, guys. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Triple Clowns is a production of the team at Big Umbrella. Rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Send us your questions at tripleclowns at gmail.com and you may be featured on a future episode. Follow us on social media at Clowns Triple on Twitter and Instagram and follow me, AJ Ryder, at Troy McLean WWE on Twitter. Like and subscribe to our show on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. All right, guys, for AJ Ryder, I'm out of here. See you later, everybody.